Obviously, you know, you make tough decisions at the end of the season, and uh, you evaluate, as a head coach, you evaluate a lot of different things. And, um, you know, made some tough tough moves, tough decisions. Appreciate what those guys have did for me and, and for the Jaguars the last two years. And and then, and then it, my focus was, you know, to get the next next group of guys in there. We've got a lot of work to do this offseason. You know, I had a meeting with Kelvin uh, the other day in my office. I had a great talk with Kelvin. Know exactly where he's at, and, and he knows where we're at. So we're just going to continue to work with all these players and try to come to some, some form of compromise, some form of resolution as, as the weeks go on. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your hosts Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and Dylan Denmark. All right, good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday to you, Jaguars Today, off and rolling as we continue coverage of the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. We'll take you live in about 35, 40 minutes as John Osher joins us for the second day in a row live in Indianapolis. Uh, All the different storylines on the ground as the workouts start to get underway Today, with Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlin, and me, O'Brien, on the scene as well. So you'll have uh, continuing coverage all day long on 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Uh, I'm Mike Dempsey. Good morning, Tony Smith. Good morning. How are things? It's going well. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, any any progress you, you get done negotiating any of the deals for the Jags? Or have you <laughs> lent your assistance to draw us closer to uh, a resolution? Or anything? I have not gotten the call on okay. uh, helping out yet. I just no. checking to see. And, you know, I know you've got a little time on your hands. Maybe mm-hmm. you'd like to weigh in. Tomorrow, Tony and uh, Tom McManus will go without me um, as I will be sleeping in and uh, – Maybe sleeping it off a little bit. Well, I don't know. Yeah, that's just we'll kind of that's yeah. kind of how I roll, man. It's the J Fun Wine Tasting Gala. Sometimes it used to be on Friday night, uh, and then I'd have to get up and coach the kids in soccer on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That was not always my favorite thing, uh, but uh, nevertheless, I've uh, got the day off tomorrow. So if you're out at the uh, J Fun Wine Tasting Gala tonight, it's at Everbank Stadium. It's actually on the field uh, tonight. Do come by and say hello. And uh, maybe it won't be me. Maybe you'll have the wrong person. But uh, <laughs> if you think it's me, come on up and say hello. Uh, mm-hmm. Please don't say anything worse than that. I will be in the company of my beautiful wife. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you want to throw some slings and arrows my way, that's fine. Save it for social media <laughs> like the rest of them. All right. Uh, today, Tone, we're going to try to narrow down just what kind of negotiators we've got in this Jaguar audience when it comes to Josh Allen and getting this done. I know a lot of people say, you should have got a deal done last year. And we've gone through that. Okay, what would you have paid Josh Allen last year? And what would have been fair considering the three seasons he was coming off of where he didn't have eight sacks in any of them? Would you have paid him as a top guy? Would Allen have a year away from free agency taken something that would maybe be seen as a middle-of-the-pack kind of offer? Mm -hmm. Maybe he would have, maybe he wouldn't have. It doesn't matter now. They didn't do that. He went out and he performed in a contract year. 17 and a half sacks. The Jags do have the franchise tag in their back pocket, but obviously they like to at least have that as a possibility to use on Calvin Ridley, Tony. Although, you know, the thing with Calvin Ridley, they, they you can't really bluff. Either you're going to put it on him or you're not. Yeah. Right. You can't, he, you can't go, well, agree to this deal and we'll sign it after the start of the league year because the, the deadline for the franchise tag is next week. Uh, the start of free agency ten about ten days after that, but you'd like at least that option. I heard Jeff talk about it this morning that there's there was a lot of that buzz in what Trent Balky had to say about a meeting with Josh's people. We're meeting again today, meaning we've met 
already. Mm-hmm. We're going to sit down again. We're going to try to work towards this. It is a lot to get done in this short period of time, but we don't know. Maybe some of the groundwork has been done. Maybe they can get a deal done with Josh Allen. I'm not predicting that that's the likelihood, but let's hold out some hope because the deadline hasn't come and gone. So we thought, with I think, would you agree the likelihood has gone up a tick, right? Maybe not significantly. You may still be like in the single digits in terms of what percentage you think that the Jags could get a long-term deal done with Josh Allen before having to apply the tag. But do you mm-hmm. agree that it feels like maybe there's at least a breath of a chance more than there was prior to this week? I, I'm I'm torn on that. Not not especially, no. Okay. Uh, I, I think that because I do, I think back to the way that they talked about all those situations last year at the Combine. It's the exact same language that they used about all three of the free agents. Last year, we're talking to him. We're going to try to – like, I, all of those things are exactly the same. I think we all felt like even when the tag got placed on Everett Ingram, they're going to get a deal done. And I feel like they're likely to get a deal done at some point with Josh Allen. I just – I still – I don't think the odds of it getting done between now and next week went up at all this week. All right, well, here is what we're asking today. If you mm-hmm. do want to try and get a deal done, there's got to yeah. be a number. That you would think Josh Allen would take, although maybe he would say, hey, if you're willing to pay me that now, (laughs) then you'll be willing to pay me that in a week. And the Jags may say, no, you know what? In a week's time, you'll have the franchise tag on you. You'll make significantly less, and then we'll tag you next year, and you'll still make significantly less than what we're offering. Certainly could play out that way. It could absolutely play out that way. And, oh, you know, that's not going to play well in the locker room. Well, the franchise tag, you know, is it playing poorly in the Cincinnati locker room that they tag T. Higgins and they're not letting him hit free agency? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's funny that, that that gets brought up in certain circumstances, but not others. So today we're asking, with Nick Bosa being the NFL's highest paid edge rusher, a man's pulling down a contract worth $170 million Average of thirty-four million per year. It's a five-year, hundred and seventy million dollar deal. The guaranteed money in it is one hundred and twenty-five million bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw one projection yesterday. Josh Allen, five years, one nineteen from Spot Track. Really? <laughs> you think Trent Balky wouldn't sign him to that right this second? Right. Like I, that, it would be mind-boggling if you wouldn't pay him that because that's just a little tick over the franchise tag number, yeah. and that's on a five-year deal to keep that average. So. Bosa makes an average of about $34 million per season. Yep. If you're Trent Baalke, you're trying to get this done. Let's get Allen signed, and we can have the franchise tag for Ridley. Like, nobody ever thought of that. <laughs> okay, but uh, since you brought it up, uh-huh. the average annual compensation you're willing to pay Josh Allen, are you willing to go $35 million plus? In other words, set the market. Yep. Make it clear. He's the highest paid guy. Someone will probably come along and top him. In the well, next Miles year, Garrett or two. is going to have to redo his contract at some point. Sure, whatever, right? Yeah. But for for now, yeah. are you willing to make Josh Allen the highest paid edge rusher in the league at yep. thirty five million plus on average annual salary? Well, that's ridiculous. All right, how about thirty three to thirty five? Basically, give him both some money, right? Somewhere in that maybe it's a, a million less, so the Jags can claim they didn't reset the market. Maybe it's just a, a million more, so Josh Allen could claim he set the market, even though. The deal, you know, maybe has a $5 million less in guaranteed money. Basically, yep. Bosa money. Yep. Okay, so you got more than Bosa, basically Bosa, or less than the $33 million. And keeping in mind that the two guys who signed the long-term extensions during the season last year have never performed 
like Josh Allen no. has performed. And they're also, if you look at average annual value on their contracts with Montez Sweat and Rashawn Gary, given that they signed for twenty four and a half and twenty four right million dollars a year last year, that puts them at fifth and sixth in the NFL in average annual value among edge rushers. Fifth and sixth for Montez Sweat and Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary's never had ten sacks in a season. Right. Never. Not and once. It's, it's when these contracts are being signed. Like, Bosa reset the market. He signed it right before the season started this year. Mm-hmm. So, his contract started in 2023. T.J. Watt is almost $6 million behind him. He's like 28-something, yeah. right? And it's that's number two on the list right now on right. average annual salary. He signed his deal in 2021. He's still got two years left on the current deal he's he's If he signed that today, it's probably more like Bosa money. At least. He and and Watt and Bosa are NFL Defensive Player of the Year guys. Yes. Josh Allen has not been that guy. Yes. But, as is often the case, the next man up. He's up. Gets the deal because the salary cap just jumped $30 bucks, and the prices continue to rise on all these players. So, again – we're we're sitting here telling Trent Bulky, I don't care. You got to get it done. Get this done. Have to get this done. It's malpractice if this doesn't get done. Okay, what are you willing to pay? Yeah. Because what if Bulky is, we don't know. But what if Bulky's going? I'll give you twenty eight million. I'll give you the T J Watt deal. Right. He had eighty million guaranteed in his contract. Okay. Mm-hmm. Give you the T J Watt deal. Basically, your second highest paid in the league. And Josh Allen's like, Nah, dog. I saw what Montez Sweat got. I'm. Yep. Twice the player Montez Sweat is. I'm not asking for twice the money, but I need a better bump than you're yeah. giving me. What if he does? Then then, then what, right? I mean, yeah. is it Balky's fault? I'm like, if you're going to put a limit on what you'd offer Josh Allen, and again, I don't know that Josh Allen's doing that, by the way. No. Josh Allen may go, hey, 28 seems super reasonable. Let's do this, right? Let's get it done. I don't know. We're just asking you what range you're falling into. Ultimately, when you're – Pushing that paper across with the pen, Josh, mm-hmm. sign on the dotted line here. Is it $35 million plus? Is it in that Bosa 33 to $35 million range, or is it less than 33 And that encompasses a wide range. It does. Obviously. You know, I mean, $30 million is pretty good money, and uh, that would be second highest paid guy in the league, but it's not setting the market. No. And that's fine. Um, just want to know what, how far you're willing to go to get this done, to have that franchise tag at your disposal. Already 300 votes on this one, so I think we're going to get a lot of feedback on that today. You can give it to us on the air as well at 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines or the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures, or hit us up on social media at MD underscore 1010XL. That's where you'll find the poll at 1010XL Fat Tony and at 1010XL Denmark. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws, baby. Pockets. I will not be drinking claws tonight. Uh, I'll be drinking some fine red wine. Uh, whatever. If it's red, pour it in my glass. That's uh, I, I need a better slogan than that. But that's, Yeah, White Claw's not a good for a uh, for that kind of event. Is that right? <laughs> what kind of event is White Claw good for? Not just a social gathering, just hanging out. Right. Hanging out with the boys. Okay, because this is girls. a social gathering, and we will be hanging out tonight. But I hear what you're saying. It's more of a low-key kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not dressy casual. Oh, yeah. Is, White Claw is not a uh, suit and tie kind of thing. All right. This is not, we don't have to wear a tie, but we. <laughs> I might. You never know. I occasionally do. No tie? Uh, no, I don't have any bow ties, um, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll become that guy. Like, when I hit 60, I'll become bow tie guy and wear them all the time. I don't wear ties very often. I wear ties two or nah, three times a year. Not too tight on your neck. You eh, can't breathe. Not, not if uh, 
you get the right size, you know, shirt. Like, if things fit you, it's not too bad. But eh, that's me. Uh, anyway, uh, today, you know the ways to get on board. If you want to be a part of the program, you're certainly welcome to do that. John Osher is about 25 minutes away to give us the latest from Indianapolis. we got a slew of mock drafts that we haven't gotten to uh, so far this week that have come out midweek. And uh, we'll take a look at what they're projecting for your Jacksonville Jaguars in the early stages of the 2024 NFL Draft. So we're off and rolling with Tony Smith and Dylan Denmark. I'm Mike Dempsey. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now more Jaguars today on 1010XL. We got a little uh, Trent Baalke coming up because you can never have enough Trent Baalke in your life for sure. John Osier, about 20 minutes away. And uh, got mock drafts out there as well, Tony. Uh, I know you're well aware, mm-hmm. and uh, the audience may or may not be. Uh, you know, with the franchise tag deadline coming up, we've seen T. Higgins get the tag. I think he's the only one officially to get the tag. Although I think it's the only one they've assigned. So right, far, there have been yeah. a few that are reportedly will get the tag, like Justin Madden, BK of the Ravens, expected to get the tag if they yeah. can't work out. Colts a ownership deal. asked about Pittman yesterday. He said he's going to be here. Right. Which is kind of like a yeah. Josh Allen will be a Jaguar. Yeah. We know, like, either we're going to get it worked out. We know in the end we got the tag. He's not getting out of here, for mm-hmm. instance. The Chiefs, who have Chris Jones up as a free agent, pretty important player for them, also have Legereus Sneed up as a free agent. Chris Jones, a little bit older, Tony, and he's expressed a desire to return to Kansas City. He's one of those guys that I think, like, it, like people said, hey, Jason Kelsey, if he doesn't retire, let's go get him. Okay, sure, mm-hmm. in theory. But guys that have played that long and have that much success with one franchise, if there's an opportunity to return there, it's going to be tough to pry them away, right? You're going to have to really overpay a guy, likely, in yeah. my opinion, anyway, right? So I think Chris Jones, they're going to work on stuff, and they're going to go, hey, we're not going to franchise tag you. We're working towards getting this done. We know the range we need to be in. There's no rush. They got something done with him right at the beginning of last year, right? Mm -hmm. So it may play out again like that. So the idea is they're tagging their cornerback, LeJarius Sneed, but they're going to give him permission to seek a trade. Yeah. What would you give for LeJarius Sneed, knowing you had to give him a pretty robust contract? You got to make the deal and sign him. Right. Right. Obviously, you're not doing it without having, you know, that'd be one of those deals like, hey, you're allowed to talk to LeJarius, work out a contract, you agree to it, work out the compensation, then we execute it knowing he's going to sign on the dotted line immediately. You're not trading yeah. for him without, knowing, without that. knowing that he's coming. So you're going to have a pretty big annual salary, whoever would trade for him, if anyone were to trade for him. So what would you be willing to give in that circumstance? Probably the second-round pick. Would you? I think so. I'd probably go a third. Yeah. Knowing I've got to give up the contract on top of it. I think ultimately if a team's actually going to make that deal, it'll probably take a first. You think so? I do. I I think that it it will or it won't get done. And they'll have them under the franchise tag and be okay with it. Like I I think the Chiefs are comfortable with Snead playing under the franchise tag. So I don't think they're looking to get a discount. On Snead, I, I don't think they'd be willing to make that deal for less than a first-round pick, personally. I don't think they're willing to move him for less than that price. Now, what you're willing to pay is what you're willing to pay. If it's a third or a second, okay. Kansas City has $9.6 million in salary cap space. Yeah. That's with the $30 million increase. Yeah. 
They'll figure year. that out. Okay, I mean, I, I think there's a reason that they're putting – I think they're they're incentivized to get that. I think they look at it like, man, we've won it with rookie corners. We've won it with – like, like as long as we have Mahomes, Kelsey, and Jones, sure. we're going to be okay. Sure, I, and they can look at it that way, but I don't think it's the – we're going to – I think I, – I just do. I think it'll take a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Coming the other way for then Steve. I, then I have make no the interest in giving you a yeah. first-round pick and giving a guy a top-of-the-market contract. Yeah. I, I'd be surprised if anybody gave him a first-round pick. Maybe maybe I shouldn't be. Yeah. I don't think the deal is going to get done. Like, I think them saying, yeah, you can pursue a trade. I think the ultimate outcome of this is he's going to play under the franchise tag with Kansas City. That's what I think is going to happen. What's, what's the franchise tag number for? Uh, 21, something like that. Or for a corner? That sounds about right. Yeah. Right. So you'd be talking about another massive kind of deal. Uh, and look, I think the Jags could create the kind of cap space to afford, by the way, Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley, and LeJarrius Sneed. Certainly. Quite frankly. Now, would you have Cam Robinson back in that scenario? Maybe not. And maybe they don't feel the same way I do. But I think you could – I could go to bat with a team that I think I could put together a better roster using the salary cap space that way. Now – Granted, that's if Kansas City's willing to take that kind of compensation. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if they trade him, they'd like to trade him outside the conference. 18.8 That's is what the, the number. The tag yeah. number is that's, that's actually not terrible. No. Um, it's still double what they have right now, and that's without Chris Jones under contract. Sure. Though, you know, so they still have some maneuvering to do to get there, uh, and I do think they're incentivized. But, you know, being incentivized to go for a third in a row, you'll – if you can fit it under the cap, but I, I think the fact that they're they're letting him, you know, shop around, I I think they're they'd be okay. They're not unwilling to trade. Yeah, him. I think they are actually. You know, I don't think yeah. it's one of those. I think it's like, you know, we we don't want to let him go for nothing. Right. Like I have no problem if the Jags are interested in that deal, calling and saying third round pick is what we're willing to give up. Like I have no problem with teams exploring that. As an option, I, I just I don't think from Kansas City's side that would be enough. Maybe not. I, I don't know. I, I feel like they want to move him because I think as a situation where if they weren't so confident they can get Chris Jones back, Chris Jones is more important to them, mm-hmm. and they use the franchise tag on him. And I just don't think they want to let a corner walk in his prime without getting anything more than a compensatory pick. And if you're Kansas City – and you try to make a splash by clearing up some money and you add something somewhere else like they did with Jawan Taylor last year, you're not yeah. going to get that compensatory pick next well, year. Well, essentially, like if they wanted to go that route, if Snead was just allowed to go to free agency, they'd likely be getting a third-round pick. That's what I'm saying. Coming back well, on the other side. like Depending just, on what they spend. Right, Like, but I don't think they're going to be big spenders. We just went through all the reasons as to why they're not going to be big spenders. That's why they're willing to trade Snead. Right, like I don't think they're going to be a team that's all that involved in free agency when everything is said and done. So, if they were going to get a third round pick coming back the other way for Snead, okay, like it'd be about maybe a half round better than they would get as the compensatory pick for Snead. I don't think that's worth it. Well, it'd be. It's not only that though; it's that you free up that money. To plug some other holes on your roster, but they've expressed that they're willing to use the tag. Well, sure they are, right? Like it's it's not that's I I keep circling back to they're willing to play pay him under the tag this year. That isn't what this is. It's 
maybe we can get something that we feel good about the compensation we get for him and move on from. But I think it's going to take at least a high-end second-round pick. Like, that's where I think it's got to be or a first-round pick for them to be willing to do the deal. And I'd be surprised if they get it. Um, and I would be, too. And on, honestly, I think there is value to getting that third-rounder now because you get a guy that does help you uh, pursue that championship as opposed to waiting a year. It will be a higher pick. Fair and, to look at it that way, yeah. And, you know, look, they don't have to sign another Jawan Taylor. You could sign a guy and have that third-rounder become a fifth-rounder in a compensatory situation. You know what Certainly. I mean? It doesn't mean it, it necessarily you have to sign a guy that erases that pick entirely. It could knock it down. And, again, it frees up money in the short term if you feel like you've got some other holes on your team. I'm just looking at it more from a Jaguar point of view. Um, I'd make the offer. I, I don't want to pay him 20-plus million dollars and give up a second-round pick to do it. Though. We're already looking at potentially doing that with Ridley uh, and giving up the third-round pick if you sign him afterward, mm-hmm. I, I I just look. I'm I'm all about the money. I don't have an issue with the money. And Tyson Campbell can wait another year if he has to. Um, I want to sure. make this team better right now. I can get I can move on from Darius Williams and upgrade with a younger option who I think is a better player mm-hmm. and will be a better player moving forward. I don't know. Just kind of interesting that he's out there. Uh, nevertheless, yeah. And, most teams don't announce this. Right, not, right. Not we're willing to that. use the franchise tag, and yeah, give us a call. Like that's not usually the way the process works. And with the Jags so clearly needing cornerback help, I mean, you know, it, it's gotten to the point where everyone's like, "Oh, they've tipped their hand. They're clearly going corner at 17. I don't think that's the case at all. No, they may go corner at seventeen, but like, if you think they're not going to get up there and tell you anything, and then they're going to lay it out that. <laughs> Oh, by the way, yeah, we need corner. I mean, when Trent Baalke says we don't have a third corner right now, it's true. Trey Herndon's not under contract. Yeah. It's not like he's trying to point out, like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? How are we going to be able to play right. this Like, year? he says that, then everyone who said corner is a big need for the team say, oh, yeah, it is. The GM just said it, too. Right. right. They, they confirmed your opinion. They didn't change anything. It doesn't make corner any more likely in the first round of the draft. It confirms the idea that, virtually all the fan base has they have to address corner right like they right. don't I, I have what, one what people are doing now they're not only that they're hearing what they're saying about the offensive line and extrapolating that well if they're telling us the truth they're they sound like they may be content running it back with the same offensive mm-hmm. line you know and whereas people look at that as a position that they'd like to see them target at 17, they just don't think the Jags are going to do that yeah. at this point. Well, it tells you how they feel about all the corners they have left on the roster, that they're still willing to say, hey, woo, well, like, we got to do look, something about it here. But on the offensive line, they're, they, at least they're willing to express that they feel like they have guys that can play. Like, if we have to line up, we have guys that can play. Right. All right. Like, well, at corners, they're starters. basically saying, nope. You don't have a nickel. Yeah. Right now, right. And you don't have long-term answers, you know, uh, other than re-signing Tyson Campbell. I don't think they're going to re-sign Darius Williams, although I suppose they could re-sign him to a short-term deal, lower his cap number, they and could. have him around for two or three uh, years if it went in that direction. Uh, today's question of the day having to do with Josh Allen. If you were Trent Bulky, what kind of average annual compensation would you be willing to pay Allen on a long-term deal? Uh, keeping in mind that Nick Bosa is the highest paid edge rusher at about $34 million a year. Would you pay Allen $35 million plus? Would you be in that 33 to $35 million range or less than $33 million? In other words, I'm not resetting the pass rush market. Uh, hit us up 
AdamD underscore 1010XL with a one-click vote on that. And we'll welcome in John Osier coming up next from Jaguars.com. A little bit later on, I got a, a trio of mocks, and we've got some more audio from Trent Balky we didn't get into yesterday that we'll hit up on in hour number two. But Johnny O on the way from Jaguars.com on the other side, live from Indianapolis on Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Oh, knows. With Jaguars.com's John Osher. Brought to you by Kingfish Pest Control. Proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars on 1010XL. All right, 1010XL taking you back live to Indianapolis as we've been doing all week with the scouting combine. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark here on Jaguars Today. We welcome in the senior writer from Jaguars.com, Mr. John Osher. Good morning, John. How are you? Guys, how are you? We're doing well. Hey, uh, what changes for you now? Like, what's uh, Peterson and Balky talk, which is the the main thrust, I'm sure, of what you're interested in? Like, do you turn into uh, John O. Scout with the <laughs> stopwatch in hand, or like, what what do you do? Like, what what I are your turn duties? Into, uh, John O. Television watcher, <laughs> um, because that's sort of what you wind up doing after your guys talk. Uh, you know, they didn't really work out yesterday, so I tried to listen to a couple of interviews. Uh, I don't dive too much into the podium stuff with players because they're, they're sort of saying the same thing. Uh, I like to sort of watch a couple of guys. I I watched Sweat from Texas yesterday, an impressive kid outgoing. Uh, beyond that, uh, we leave tomorrow. So we really cover our guys, and then we sort of pick up from talking to some draft analysts and, and, and from trying to talk Jags to people who are sort of have their pulse on the national scale. So it's a little bit like Super Bowl Radio Row, to be honest, once you get your guys, unless you stay to watch everybody work out, which we really don't. All right, so when it comes to sweat, right, and he's a big dude, and he said uh, he was very entertaining. Hey, you know, yeah. w- watch me work out. I'm going to move. You're not going to believe how well I move. I'm kind of paraphrasing here. But I think, John, he's thought of more as a, maybe he's a guy with some quickness, but he's going to plug holes on the defensive line, right? His teammate, Byron Murphy, sure. is more the three-technique, penetrating, gap-shooting defensive tackle, right? Now, yeah, that's the guy that you see mocked to the Jags a little more. Right. Uh, so uh, I just kind of watched him because he was entertaining. I, I, he doesn't really feel like a guy the Jaguars would take. I think defensive tackle interior makes sense if it's a guy like Murphy. But it's got to be—it's got to be a pass rushing type, you think? Yeah, if not pass rushing, bare minimum, uh, sort of darting and uh, disruptive. You know, I, I always wonder how much you're really going to get out of the defensive tackle if, if realistically, you're going to get huge sacks. But he needs to disrupt the run game, be a be a penetrator, uh, get tackles for losses. Uh, you know, I keep saying Aaron Donald. Obviously, that's a Hall of Fame guy. You're, you know, you'd love to get somebody like that, but it doesn't always happen. But a disruptive presence. If they're dominant, uh, you know, as long as you're not sort of a stand in the trench nose tackle, uh, dominant defensive tackles tend to help. Tend to help everything. Uh, I I don't really think that's the. I don't feel that's the direction, maybe because I'm so locked in on offensive line or corner there, uh, but it wouldn't be shocking if that's the direction. Yeah, corner, 17, I mean. Corners will be at, in the interview room today on the field tomorrow. Defensive linemen, we know the Jags will be interested in some of those guys. They've been 
as you just mentioned, attached to some of these guys around 17 and mock drafts that we've seen. John, have you heard anything about those kind of players, the players that we've heard talk to to the Jags at 17, anything about any of those guys that has caught your attention, whether it be at the podium or anywhere else here in the last couple of days? Yeah, I mean, you kind of get the vibe that maybe Rake Straw is the guy that, uh, you know, would be maybe a little bit of a pipe dream to fall to 17. Uh, I don't say pipe dream, but he would be the guy you'd be surprised to fall there. I guess more than anything, you get the idea that some years you feel like if you're at 22 or if you're at a certain spot, you're maybe out of a good range for you. And at 17, it definitely feels like uh, Wiggins, uh, the kid from Toledo, whose name is escaping my mind right now. Mitchell. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. you know, that bunch we've all been talking about, either that or a really good offensive lineman is going to be there. So you get the idea that they're going to, you know, I don't say have your pick because when you're 17, as you guys know, you're always sitting there sweating guys going off in front of you. But because the quarterbacks – are at the top of the draft because there's some positions at the top of the draft the Jaguars don't care that much about. Um, and then they think there could be, uh, I think it was Matt Miller yesterday who I was talking to from ESPN, that there could be like a second wave of uh, quarterbacks even get pushed and help the Jaguars again. So uh, that's the, the, the kind of feel I was looking for yesterday. Uh, so I think it's good news 17. Uh, as you guys know, it's so hard to predict the specific there, but you feel like the, the player available has a chance to be good, which is what they need. You know, it's interesting, John. Um, I'm looking at three mocks in the last uh, couple of days that came out. One of them has Ennis Rakestraw. By the way, he, he went to Missouri, for folks who don't know. He's a corner and uh, had him going 26th overall. The other two did not have him in the first round. Yeah. So, yeah. I, uh, well, the reason I bring that up is because what happens is at the Combine, people who do the mocks find out, more what the NFL people are thinking, and it sounds like what the NFL people are talking about is Rakestraw is a corner that should be more discussed than he has been in the middle of the first-round conversation. Yeah, that was sort of my impression yesterday. So uh, who knows, because you guys have been up here. There's stuff flying around. Uh, you know, it it, it it takes a while after the combine for all that to shake out and become sort of groupthink, if you will. But uh, that was my impression yesterday, uh, you know, it wasn't like I nailed that down with the GM, but that was the buzz that I got. Where do the on-field workouts, which begin today with defensive linemen out there on the field and linebackers, where do the on-field workouts rank among the important things that players are asked to do at the Combine, and how much has that maybe changed since you started covering the Combine? Well, it's, it's changed some, and just from talking to different people, uh, the vibe I get is it's it, is uh, we're in sort of a transition period in that in a couple of ways. The NIL is sort of changing the combine a little bit. uh, Fewer underclassmen this year, players in the long run may be a little less apt to, uh, you know, participate in the combine because they've already got the money. But mainly with the participation in the combine thing, uh, the GPS uh, data that these teams have Mm. from colleges, uh, is changing and is going to change the importance of the 40 time, the importance of the shuttles. There are already teams that are going entirely off GPS stuff and very little off of, of, of what's happening on the field. So 
uh, Hayes Carlin and I were talking the other night, and I, I've heard sort of the same thing that the combine um, has been a big, big deal for about for about twenty years. Uh, it may be getting smaller as we go forward because a lot of things we're talking about and uh, more coaches. I think there are what four this year that the head coach didn't come. Um, the vibe is that that's going to that that's going to continue and that it's going to become more of a uh, of a medical event again. Uh, the league probably won't want that because they like having this as a big tent post event, but that's a thing right now. So that's that's interesting to me. Well, yeah, and I could absolutely see it still continuing, but it's maybe populated more with guys that are trying to get on the radar. Play power five. Yeah. I mean, we're right. seeing like Marvin Harrison Jr. is like, "Now nah, I'm good. I'm good." Well, and, and, and why and wouldn't the media he be? coverage? I'm sorry, the media coverage could change because, frankly, you know, if coaches don't go, uh, writers and media that cover those teams don't go as much. Right. So the media event of it, which has made it sort of a circus. You guys were up here. I remember hanging out with Mike a few years back. You know, the media event of it uh, could change a lot if fewer coaches come. So it, that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. Whether it's, I'm sure the NFL Network's still going to have it as it as its event, but whether it's sort of the Super Bowl media road type circus and as important for players, uh, you know, for those of us who really follow the league closely. That's something to watch. It, I, don't, I don't think it's going to affect the on-field product in the fall. But for this period that we're talking about, I do think we're going to see a change of dynamic up here. Uh, John, you know, we've heard about some of the crazy stuff that some of these prospects get subjected to in terms of what kind of questions and different antics in some of these meetings that they have. Uh, what kind of approach, if you know, do the Jags take? In terms of when you've got those 15 minutes, are they trying to stress guys with some unorthodox stuff? Are they putting them on the whiteboard as much as possible? Like, wh what do the Jags try to accomplish in those one-on-one -on -one yes. meetings? I'm not sure about the whiteboard. I do know they work as hard as they can to come up with questions that, uh, you know, I, my impression is not that they, I don't think they go the shock way. We've all heard sort of the weird questions that have gotten some teams in trouble in the past. You know, I don't think that's the, the tenor of the organization. But one fight that these guys do fight is uh, everybody is so rehearsed now. All these guys are, are saying basically the same thing, and they're so trained that they really do work hard to try to get anything out of those interviews. And I think that's another reason why uh, the Combine, you know, these pre-combine interviews or the combine interviews they talk about, they get a little frustrating for teams because it's so rehearsed. Uh, Doug Peterson told us when uh, talking off to the side, they much prefer the on-campus 30 visit, which is as the draft approaches, they call it, you know, the on-site mm -hmm. uh, because they get a little bit more time and you can sort of break through the rehearsal, if you will. So yet another way, I think where teams are starting to revisit, how they get to know these guys. Uh, I don't think the combine will ever not be a part of that. But I think, as you said, Mike, it may be more about maybe lower level players where you can get an idea, you know, for, for fourth, fifth round guys, maybe not that extreme, but it's there. I mean, the, the stuff has become so rehearsed and so formulaic that teams are trying to figure out another way to get to know these guys. 
What is the buzz in the building up there today with defensive linemen who the Jags obviously could be very interested in and linebackers who uh, the Jags always seem to be interested in getting the on-field workout started up there? Uh, pretty good class for the defensive linemen. Uh, I'd be surprised, you know, considering the numbers they have at linebacker, uh, I'd be surprised if they go linebacker very high. So w- when I watch stuff today, I'm going to be trying to get a, a feel for the defensive interior, uh, the defensive front, which, uh, you know, again, you guys saw it. To me, that was where, you know, I don't think they're replacing Devin Lloyd. I think Devin Lloyd's got to get better, but I don't think they're drafting over Devin Lloyd this year. But I do think there's a chance they could go defensive line. So to me, if you're a Jags fan today, that's what I'm watching. Uh, John, there was some talk this week from Trent Baalke that they've already engaged uh, Trevor Lawrence's camp, at least preliminarily, on uh, extension talks. Uh, what do you see as far as that uh, for the calendar for that getting done? Yeah, I. the only vibe I have is that these big quarterback contracts after third year, which that's where Trevor would fit, have been getting done closer to training camp. That's when Mahomes, that's when Burrow got done. If memory serves, Herbert was closer to an end. That it's not necessarily something that happens. Certainly before the league year, I can't see it happening because they're so complex and they matter so much in terms of the long term. Uh, how you're going to set your cap for four or five years? Uh, that you're trying to move money, you're trying to get all that stuff set up so that you can build your cap around that contract for so long. So, um, I guess I would still be a touch surprised if it happens this off season. Um, but I'm not married to that surprise. It wouldn't be a shock. So I think if it does happen, my guess is it's around that time in the calendar, uh, simply because that's when they've been getting it done. And I think that may be an element of that. Maybe that's when they have time to do it. Like it, those are hugely complex numbers that decides you have to kick back and forth and make sure they fit. You can't rush it if it's one of those mega deals because it's going to take your franchise for six years. How many starters along the offensive line do you expect to be changed this offseason? Boy, that's that's a topic I've been kicking around for a couple weeks, and I keep saying it could be one, it could be four. If if you're talking about – I think that changes a little bit with them talking about Cam staying. I think that solidifies the two tackles. If he doesn't – if he leaves, then that's two that change. So I think Anton Harrison moves to the other side. Um, so to answer your question, I'm, I'm going to say two. Two in the interior is what I would expect. Either a new starter. Uh, for, for argument's sake, let's go both guards and they don't change Fortner. Um, but it, it could be the other way. It could be Ezra Cleveland there changing Fortner. And, and, because I just can't see Sheriff staying because of the cap number more than anything. So let's go with two. Uh, but that, as I say, it's a roll of the dice. Yeah, based on your prediction of two Jaguar fans now eagerly watching the transaction <laughs> wire to see Ezra Cleveland re-sign. Right? Because uh, yeah. <laughs> then it's the other two. That's- and it's so many things that can variable right now. Uh, I've been writing for uh, two or three months. That's the one that you just don't know because it's that old probability thing. There's a... It, there's a ton of probabilities if you're trying to guess correctly what the starting five is going to be. Oh, no question about it, but uh, we'll continue to guess. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we do. Right. Kind of what that's we exactly do right. on Sports Talk Radio. All right, John, uh, what should we look for at Jaguars.com over the next few days? 
Uh, at some point, we'll have the Huddle Up podcast. I think we're going to roll it out with Bucky Brooks. I think we're doing that Friday. Uh, so we will have today, uh, I'll be on the uh, Jaguars Happy Hour with Bucky and J.P. Shatter. Tell uh, Bucky about Ennis Rakestraw. He's probably not familiar with him because uh, he didn't yeah, have he's got no idea. Didn't have him in the first <laughs> round of his mock. So <laughs> catch him up on Rakestraw if you would. All right, John, thanks, buddy. We appreciate it. Safe travels back, and we'll talk to you next week. Guys, thank you. All right, John Osier, of course, from Jaguars.com, their senior writer uh, in studio with us typically every Wednesday for the second hour of the program. All right, uh, hour two, we'll get more uh, from Trent Balky. Got a few mocks to go through. And the question of the day out there having to do with what you would do to ensure that Josh Allen stayed a Jaguar for the long haul with Nick Bosa, the highest paid edge rusher in the NFL at $34 million per season. If you were Trent Baalke, what kind of average annual compensation would you be willing to pay Josh Allen on a long-term deal? $35 million plus resetting the market in that Bosa range of 33 to 35 or somewhere less than $33 million, and I uh, don't know what Josh is seeking, but probably everything he can get if he's uh, smart, and I don't think he's a dumb guy. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark here with you halfway home. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jaguars Today on 1010XL. Working. You know, that's an ongoing discussion that we're having with his agent. Uh, in fact, later today, I'm going to have another meeting with him as well. So, just ongoing. That, that's uh, my Friday. Thank you for <laughs> noticing. Appreciate that, Pockets. Uh, hallelujah. It is my Friday. Um, that is, of course, Trent Balky from a couple of days ago talking about Josh Allen, the ongoing process. Going to meet again, Tony, this week. Uh, yeah. Hard at work. Nose to the grindstone. Going to get this thing done at some point in time. But he knows that the circumstances. We said, no matter how you feel about Trent Balky. I'm sure he's well aware of the benefit of getting Josh Allen signed to a long-term deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Same time, you know, he's got a limit he's willing to go to. And, you know, that's kind of why we asked what we asked today, because we've heard from a lot of people. Just give him whatever he wants. He's earned it. Josh, you got to have him back. He can't screw this up. Okay, well, then what are you willing to pay him? What if Josh Allen wants a market-setting deal? And he might as the next man up. Salary cap just went up an unprecedented $30 million in one offseason. So, are you willing to set the market with him? Are you willing to basically match the top of the market or something short of that for Josh Allen? That's your Chad and Sandy real estate question today. You can vote accordingly on Twitter at MD underscore 1010XL. But regardless of what they end up doing with a long-term deal or the franchise tag, Trent Baalke says no concern that we can't get guys signed because of the salary cap, we're in pretty good shape. Well, we're in good cap shape right now. I mean, we, we're sitting pretty good. I think we're right in the middle to upper tier of the league in terms of cap space available. And we've got moves that we can do to, to create more cap space. So we like the position we're in. We like the flexibility that we have. And, again, we're not going to disclose any of our, our thoughts right here, but we feel good about where we're at. Yeah, I don't blame them for doing that. And I don't blame them for making moves when they have to make them as opposed to just clearing space right now. Now, mm-hmm. granted, you know, like we saw from Ryan Poles, and Trent Baalke said kind of the same thing. You you want to you don't want to string guys along, right? You want to try to be fair to guys. But at the same time, his bottom line job is being fair to this organization. So if it comes that, 
okay, we have to franchise tag Josh Allen. Well, we got enough money now because the cap has gone up. But that eats a big chunk of that cap. Now we got to work on a deal for Calvin Ridley. What does that first year deal look like? Well, do we need money? Do we need more cap space? We can create it. But if we don't, what if we lose Ridley? What if Ridley goes somewhere else and walks? We may not need that space, at least not as readily. So why not wait? You know, if you don't have to make the move, don't make it before you have to make it. I understand that, hey, you want to be fair if a guy's going to be a free agent. If you know you're going to let him go, you let him go. You don't string him along. But I think there could be a case where, Tony, a few of these guys are not sure if they're going to let him go, that if the offseason plays out this way – then this is a core of players that we're going to try to keep. But if it goes this way, if we sign Ridley versus not signing Ridley, if we franchise tag Josh Allen versus getting a long-term deal done, which lowers his cap figure, we got to have contingency plans. There was basically no anxiety last year going into the offseason because of the way the season ended and played out. Correct. Right? Like going through any of this process last year, people were like, they'll work it out. Right, like that's basically how people felt. We were still a week away from them even using the franchise tag on Evan Ingram. Ultimately, none of the extensions with players had gotten done. They hadn't reworked any of the contracts, and so when Trent Baalke said a couple days ago, "Next week we'll start unveiling what the plan's going to look like," then next week we'll start seeing what the plan's going to look like. But there is anxiety this year because of the back half of the season last year, right? So there is a lot of why aren't they doing go, 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 go? Well, deadlines make deals, and all the NFL deadlines are basically coming up in a week. Like, real deadlines start next week from an NFL perspective for these teams to have to start doing any of this stuff. It doesn't mean that there hadn't been any teams releasing anybody, but it's a handful of guys, right, across the league that have been released over the course of since the Super Bowl. It's a handful of guys. It's not like it's all these other teams are busy and the Jags are sitting on their hands. That's not how this has worked. Next week, whatever the plan is, they'll start working through it and we can react to it as they do. We all have ideas of what we would like to see them do. And hopefully when the plan starts being unveiled, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's what they needed to do. Like, But I'm not all that anxious about what they're going to do until I start seeing what it is. Well, your point about you know coming off the playoff season, it wasn't only just the fact that they went to the playoffs, they won a playoff game, and you felt like, okay, with Peterson and Lawrence together, the arrow only goes in one direction, right? There will not be any more rough spots, yeah. right? To some degree, right? Like, Good luck to the rest of the division right? catching like, this. We're, we're going we're gonna to yeah. lap you now, and that didn't happen. No. And so now you go the same 9-8, and eight, but you don't make the postseason. And what you got from Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley wasn't enough to propel you into the postseason. Yeah. So you sit there and go, well, we can't lose what we had. Like last year, all right, we lose Juwan Taylor. He gets penalty every other play anyway. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and it was like, hey, we're we're as long as we got Trevor. Oh yeah, fans on the are ascent, anxious, and, and I get why. Totally right. Yeah. But I think your 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 point is a good one about the just the feeling in the fan base being different. And I get it. Like, if you like, look, we know Josh Allen's going to be a jag, but you can't have it any other way. You can't rip seventeen and a half sacks sure. from one guy out of this team and expect to you know, to not backslide significantly. Corner is a spot that a lot of people have focused on because mm-hmm. of what the comments that, that you know, both the head coach and the GM made this week, but also Ryan Nielsen's attention to coverage leading to pressure in his initial press conference as well. But 
if you look at the numbers, it's pretty clear they need to beef that position group up, and Trent Baalke agreed. It's a good question. Who's going to be the third? You know, we've got to add to that group. You know, I think Coach Nielsen spoke on it. Coach Peterson's probably spoke on it. Now I'm speaking on it. It's a group that we need to do, to address. We feel good about the group we have. We feel like we got some good young guys to work with. We got some guys, some veterans in there. But we're definitely going to look to add to that group. You know, you can, and everyone's focused on this. Yeah, they're going to add corner. Maybe they add one in the second round and the sixth round, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe they sign one in free agency. Maybe they bring Trey Herndon back. Maybe as kind of like a nickel stopgap, and and still need that long term outside guy with Darius Williams in the last year of his deal, thinking that you're going to re-sign Tyson Campbell at some point and have a young player next to him, kind of reset the the salary structure there. I, I, it's not going to freak me out if they don't take a cornerback in the middle of round one. It is no. a target rich environment. There's granted five or six that are consistently. Mock there, you know, like John got the sense up there that Ennis Rakestraw won't make it to the Jags. And again, with mocks coming out in the last two days, none of them have him coming off the board before that pick. So there are going to be players that, according to the pundits, and the pundits are not always right, match the value of the selection and the need for the Jags. So much so that, as we've talked about, man, the trade down becomes a really attractive option this year, particularly because you're going to be losing either your second or third round pick. There's so many positions I'd be okay with at 17, right? Anything along the offensive line, cool. You know, they could go any of those five spots. If they want to address that at 17, I understand it. Corner, obviously, I understand it. D-tackle. D-tackle, D-end. I'd still wide receiver, even with Ridley Wide receiver, like all those positions. We've discussed Brock Bowers. If he's the tight end that's available, like what is your thinking, right, with that guy? But if they... If Brock Bowers was still available at 17 and that's the guy they wound up picking, I'd I'd be on board with the player, right? The position makes me nervous. I'm not saying that yeah. it wouldn't. The position makes me nervous, but it's it's the player I think is a good enough player that he's worth the value there at number 17. It's safety, linebacker, quarterback, basically. If they went running to any back. of those in running back, like if they drafted one of those, I'd be like, what are they doing? Like everywhere else that they could draft – with players that might be available to him, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. We right? saw one of their meetings in uh, Indy with Jared Verse. So they're definitely going to look at that edge rush yeah. market right there. We understand the value of that spot. And look, it could be a situation we all think, all right, they're going to tag Josh Allen. They'll get something worked out. What if they don't? What if Josh Allen gets pissed and he says, you know what, I'll play on the franchise tag. And you can tag me again next year, but I'm not. I mean, you don't know, right? right? I mean, and- it could go that way. You may end up looking for your long-term there is value to edge players at that point in the draft. If you have a player that you grade as a value at that spot, I'm on board with them picking him, considering that, yeah, their top two guys right now are are good, right? They don't need to address either of those spots. Their third right now is Yasir Abdullah, right? And maybe that's a guy who develops into something in year two, but we didn't see anything from him. Right, you can't count one. on anything. Right, so oh, yeah. if they bring in the guy who's going to be the third in that, fine. Like, I don't have any issue with that at 17 well, in the draft. what I'd like to know is if they even know what this number is. Like, what percentage of the snaps are they actually comfortable with Trayvon Walker playing inside? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, is it just third and obvious passing situations, third and seven or longer? Or is it more than that? Because that that is the one thing that bothers me about the idea of Jared Verse or 
uh, Latu Latu, or if I'm pronouncing his name right, any of the edge rushers in there, is that is this guy going to be a full time? I mean, how close to a full time player is he going to be? Right, right out of the gates, and we do have other needs, and I'm sure they're going to be. Even at high leverage positions of value, like corner, there are going to be guys that are there that I would think are are grading out similarly. But if you get the sense that, hey, Josh Allen isn't going to sign here for anything less than 35, uh, we'll franchise tag him and see how it plays out. But we're so far away from getting a long-term deal done that we need to get the next guy up. And then who knows? I mean, I, I'm playing the hypothetical game sure. here. Okay? I'm not speaking for Trent Baalke or the organization or what I want to have happen, but you got to look at the possibilities of what could play out. Okay, you tag Josh Allen. He plays, has another really good year, okay? And you've drafted Jared Verse, for instance, and he, you feel like in 2025 he's ready to go full-time. He and Trayvon Walker, hell on wheels. Well, you tag Josh Allen like the Chiefs are doing with Legereus Sneed, and you make it known that, okay, yeah. come and get him, you know? Yeah. And, and it might not cost you two firsts, but it's going to cost you something significant. And looking at the snap counts for both those guys – Last year, Trayvon Walker, 78% of the defensive snaps. Josh Allen, 79% of the defensive snaps. So, you know, that's one in five, right, that you'd be looking for somebody else to be on the field there. That number may change if you're willing to play Walker inside. It's one in five for each of them. Yes. Right? So it's like 40% of the time, right? Like, so, because they're not off the field at the same time, right? So out of 100 snaps, Josh is playing 80. Like if you're, playing 80, if you're picking a guy in the first round as the third guy in that rotation that's getting 40% of the snaps, that's bro, fine. Like, I, mean, I think he'd get north of that, ultimately, because Walker would play inside more. If they're going that right. direction, they're telling you they're comfortable with Walker well, that, rushing that, from the inside. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I'd really like to know what that number is. Anyway, last one from Trent Baalke, uh for today, at least. I uh, just wanted to reflect on what went wrong late in the season. Well, I think anytime you finish the way you finish, you, there's disappointment. You know, we, yeah, we were eight and three at one point. And we finished nine and eight, so we won one more game down the stretch. So it was a disappointment. I don't think anybody you talk to in our organization would argue differently. Uh, extremely disappointed, but focused. You know, we have we've, we have a clear understanding of what we need to do, and uh, from from a from an organizational standpoint, it's never one thing. You know, you can't just point to one thing and say that's why we we finished the way we finished. There's multiple things, tentacles that stretch into different areas of the of the organization, and we all have to own it. You know, no no one better to own than me. You know, when when I look at this thing, extremely disappointed where we where we were at, where we finished, uh, but motivated to fix it. Well, uh, scattershot. There are a lot of things that went wrong. We know mm-hmm. that down the stretch for this football team. What can we do to make sure it doesn't happen again? That's got to be the focus uh, for not only Trent Baalke, but everybody uh, involved with the Jacksonville Jaguars. When we come back, Tony's going to take you around the league. We'll find out what some of the pundits are saying at the latest projections for your Jags, what they might do early in the NFL draft, knowing that all this is going to change uh, significantly depending on how free agency plays out. But it could be a case where the Jags, um, fortunately, if they are able to retain Calvin Ridley, have Ridley and Allen coming back and nothing really significant new to the team in terms of a big-name player prior to the NFL draft. So uh, we'll take a look at what some of the latest projections have the Jags doing with the 17th pick uh, through the miracle of mock drafts. Uh, <laughs> coming up next here on 1010XL 92.5 FM. 
Jaguars Today on 1010XL. All right, we continue along here on 1010XL. Jaguars today. Got a few mocks we'll take a quick little peek at. As uh, Frank Frangie, Mia O'Brien, Hayes Carline live in Indianapolis with continuing coverage of the combine. You'll hear the latest uh, from the different athletes who step up to the podium. I know uh, we were talking about Jared Verse, uh, Braden Fisk uh, yesterday, one of the guys that you had on your list. You know, he Mm -hmm. said uh, everybody's talking about him being a three technique. And, you know, that's a guy who's – Killing the process right now, right? Yeah. Cr- crush it at the Senior Bowl and maybe on the rise. You know, you can get help. You don't have to spend that 17 pick on a position to get help at that position. No. Right? You're supposed to be 14 or 15 wide receivers that go in the first two rounds of the draft. Yeah. Probably going to be a pretty good one there in the second round for you. And that whole conversation we just had about edges at 17, uh-huh. right? Like, if they weren't to address that till the third round of the draft, that's okay. Right, They don't have to address it at 17, given the two guys they have at the top of the depth chart. But if they did, it wouldn't bother me if they did. Because, as we discussed, I think it is pointing to they're comfortable with Trayvon Walker moving inside on pass rushing downs, creating more opportunities for him to stay on the field for the defense. So if that's the direction they went, I would understand why. But if they didn't do it till the second, third round, okay. Right. Well, if they did do it in the first round, I do think it brings up questions about whether or not they think they can get Josh Allen done long-term if he's Maybe. under the franchise tag. Maybe. I think it brings up the question. To, to me, it would. To some degree, that was part of the strange thing last year. The deal hadn't gotten done with Ingram yet, right? Like, And part of it was like, well, well, we'll see. You know, it was okay. It didn't turn out that way. Like, I was still pretty confident they're going to get a deal done with Evan. That's what I thought they were going to do. Then they finally did, and it's like, oh. But, yeah, if you have a guy on the franchise tag, you draft at his position in the first round of the draft, people are going to be like, well. Right. What does that what mean? What does that mean? Uh, well, especially in this case, because you've got two guys, and you got one guy you spent the number one overall pick on. They're both top ten picks. Mm-hmm. Traylon Walker is going to be up for an extension potentially after next year. They right? could at least talk to that him. We, right. They at least could start that if they wanted to. And Josh is going to be making one of the highest salaries of anybody in the league at his position, whether it's on the tag or mm-hmm. uh, whether it's on a long-term deal. So, you know, to, to invest in another high premium pick at that spot, I mean, I get it. It's a, an important position, and pr- particularly with Nielsen talking about how coverage often drives the pressure sure. in his defense. Anyway, uh, let's go around the National Football League. Now, Gems Around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported on Tuesday that Kansas City Chiefs are prepared to use the franchise tag on cornerback Legereus Sneed and would be open to trading him if the team and Sneed are not able to work out a long-term deal. The team has since given Sneed permission to seek a trade before they have placed the tag on him at this point. The Chiefs are releasing wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which will create $12 million more in cap space for them. The New York Jets have given quarterback Zach Wilson permission to seek a trade. Carolina General Manager Dan Morgan said on Tuesday that he will be having further discussions soon with the agents for Brian Burns and that they would like to get a long-term deal done, but that they will be willing to use the franchise tag on him for the second consecutive year if they're unable to get that long-term deal done. 
negotiated. The Atlanta Falcons are releasing tight end Jonu Smith after trading for him last year. The move will save the team $6.5 million on their cap. The L.A. Rams have signed wide receiver Demarcus Robinson to a one-year deal, and it is Leap Day, February 29th. We get it once every four years. I was taking a look at some of the birthdays in the league on this day. Oh. The Jags have had one player that was a leap year baby uh, in their franchise's history. We talked about him quite a bit last Tuesday. Happy birthday to Bryce Pop. How about that? Yeah. The only one. The only leap year baby in Jaguars history. I had a, a friend of mine uh, get married on a leap day. Mm-hmm. Do they celebrate it once every four years? Uh, or is it like a like a real throwdown once every four years? I, I get. I mean, I it's not like like once your friends get married, it's not like you go back and celebrate their no, anniversary with them. Ever. That's for them. Right. Yeah. Maybe like their 25th or their fifth. But don't even yeah. throw a 10th anniversary party. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. Right? Like. Whatever. Okay. Good for you. Ten years have passed. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. <laughs> the sun uh, sits there and the earth continues to spin around. Yeah, it. Like I can remember going to my grandparents' fiftieth anniversary. That was sure. cool. Fiftieth. That's yeah. a huge milestone. Yeah, no doubt. I get that. But um, anyway, all right. Uh, let's look at some of these mocks this week. Um, John says the buzz corner is Ennis Rakestraw, and you have seen him start to climb in some. But they're honestly, Tone, I could give you six names for the Jags, and I don't I know ideally which corner is going to fit best for what Ryan Nielsen wants. Sure. You know what I mean? Like you hear this guy's better at man versus zone and this and that. And, you know, well, it looks like he plays man, but then he goes, well, that's good because we're disguising a zone, but we play <laughs> tight on the outside. So is that kind of man for the corners but zone for – He knows what it means. He knows what they want, yeah. right? And there are seen to be – a half dozen at least corners that mm-hmm. are fair game in the first round of the draft. Bucky Brooks, you know him well. Hopefully you'll love him as well. Part of the Huddle Up podcast with Johnny O over at Jaguars.com and a Jaguars sideline reporter on game day as well. Has the Jags going corner with Nate Wiggins, the Clemson corner. The Jaguars' philosophical change on defense is what Bucky writes. With Ryan Nielsen replacing Mike Caldwell, could make cornerback a top priority on draft day. Wiggins possesses the athleticism and skills to thrive in a system that extensively features bump and run coverage on the perimeter. Let me just look and see how many corners uh, he had coming off the board prior to that. Three quarterbacks and Marvin Harrison. Then you mm-hmm. get into some more of the wide receivers, the, the edge rushers. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Terry and Arnold went at 15. Okay. So the Jags had their pick of any corner, not Outside named Terry and Arnold. Arnold. Right. Yeah. Pretty good. Others in the first round for Bucky uh, at cornerback. By the way, again, we're getting conditioned to certain groups of names. That doesn't mean the Jags feel the same about these names, Mm -hmm. right? But if you're getting conditioned like we are, those names that you're getting conditioned to, to hear associated with the Jags, a bunch of them come off the board in rapid succession, again, creating what you think is a, a fertile trade down opportunity sure uh johnny jerzon newton uh going to the Bengals, the defensive tackle at illinois with the very next pick chop robinson another edge rusher we talked about i mean it, it, look if they could go jared verse they could certainly go chop robinson uh, uh amarius mims the georgia tackle troy Fat, uh fatano uh the washington offensive lineman who could play inside and outside going mm-hmm. 21st quinian mitchell the next corner to go at 22 overall byron murphy the texas 
defensive tackle, all these guys. Yep. Any one of them ends up going to the Jags. You're like, eh, all right. Um, Cooper DeGene, another corner in the first round. Kool-Aid McKinstry, another corner in the first round. Uh, these are, again, according to uh, Bucky Brooks. And then, you know what? One guy who's jumped up in the mock drafts is Graham Barton, the yeah. Duke lineman, right? He's got him going 31st to San Francisco to make a good fit. In there with Ben Barch, Tony. Uh, <laughs> ben Barch, by the way, restricted free agent with the Niners. Um, Grant Barton, there was a time when you could count on if you saw multiple mount, round mock and you liked him, you could pretty much count on the Jags would have a shot on him in the middle of round two, right? And now he has climbed up uh, getting discussed as a first-round talent. Like, that's a guy like, all right, we, we don't take Jackson Powers Johnson or he's not there or whomever. We don't take on the offensive line. Boy, if we can get Graham Barton in round two, we'd be feeling pretty good about ourselves. <laughs> not going to be there. Uh, At did, least I didn't hear Powers Johnson name. Uh, did he not go in Bucky's mind? He might not have I gone. didn't hear you mention that name. I did not mention the name. I wonder if he, he went ahead of time. I don't think he did. Uh, he didn't have him in the first round yeah. of his mock right that's, there. There you go. Uh, so, again, that's one guy's opinion. Um, man, what is going on with this computer Today, anyway, no, he did not have Jackson Paris Johnson in the first round. Uh, over at CBS, and there are a bunch of guys at CBS now uh, that are doing the mocks here. This is Garrett Podel, Tony. Don't know Garrett okay. too well uh, or at all. Actually, I had Jared Verse going to pick twelve in this one. I don't think Bucky had him in the first round. I don't recall reading his name. Has the Jags going Byron Murphy in this one? Uh, Jackson Powers Johnson going two picks later. Um, to the L.A. Rams. And then finally, there was one at uh, Pro Football Network that had the Jags going with Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, the corner out of Alabama. Um, <laughs> says, when you're a division that re requires dealing with a healthy Richardson Levis and the league's top rookie, C.J. Stroud, corner is a must in Duval County. I feel like when the mock drafters throw Duval County in there, they're trying to let you know that they're aware of that, like, look mm -hmm. at me with the inside info. <laughs> I, I I just, I don't know why, but it makes me more skeptical when I see them try to yeah. go the Duval route. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just me. Yeah. Probably is. Uh, that's quite possible. But two corners and one defensive tackle, and uh, you're going to see corner is probably the most frequently mocked position. And look, they may go there. Sure. Right? Or maybe they, uh, they, re they sign a bet in free agency. Maybe they... Imagine if they did re-sign Darius Williams and lower that cap figure. And, I mean, he played well enough that I wouldn't mind having him around for a couple more years. No. Had a really good year last year. No. You know? That would make some sense. And, look, if they're going to do that, I would expect that to be among the first things they do. Right? That, you would think so. Right. Like, if that's the direction they want to go with that, if – I would expect that to be done pretty quickly when they start unveiling whatever the plan's going I, to be. I'm not predicting that. I'm no. just saying I, I don't – think that's crazy at all you know um as far as that goes so anyway uh so there you have it happy february 29th leap day as uh, we get ready to wrap up jaguars today coming up next we'll take a look at today's question of the day how far you want to go with josh allen what kind of offer are you willing to make him when you say hey got to get it done bulky okay what if josh allen wants position setting money record setting money reset the calculus at edge rusher, highest paid guy in the league. Are you willing to go there? Maybe you are. We'll find out uh, in today's poll question presented by Chad and Sandy Real Estate. That's coming up on the other side. Got uh, What do we got on that? 
about uh, over 450 votes on that one this morning. So a pretty good representative sample. So we'll take a peek at that when we return in a moment with Tony Smith and Dylan Denmark. I'm Mike Dempsey. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is Jaguars today on 1010XL. All this talk about drafting a receiver is a moot point. If you can't run the ball, the offensive line is the heart and soul of your football team. A quote by Tom Coughlin back in 95, I think. Okay, that's fine. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you can't do more than one thing. We shouldn't sign Calvin Ridley back because the offensive line has issues. Did Tom Coughlin go out and get Jimmy and Keenan? No, not before the offensive line was set. Like, I know he took Tony Baselli with the first pick in draft history, and he did well along the offensive line for those years as well. It's not all one thing. The Jaguars' offensive line needs to be better. Nobody's pushing back on that, basically at all, that the offensive line needs to be better than it was last year, but it's not the only thing. No, not at all. And, uh, you know, if you wait until everything's perfect with the offensive line or whatever, what else has broken down in the meantime? Sure. Right? Sometimes you got to overcome, man. You know? It's not going to be perfect on the Absolutely. offensive line. We they, don't. they went to the playoffs and won a playoff game last year with basically that offensive line. Exact same offensive line. with right. a, you know, And you thought you upgraded with Ezra Cleveland. Again, that's a, a sure. different point. The point being, like, everyone's fixated on one thing. you got to fix this. If you don't fix this, well, there are multiple paths to fixing something. Yeah. Like, if you got a, a guard, whatever you do with Luke Fortner, if you got a guard in round three or four, and brought him in to compete with Cooper Hodges. Plenty of teams draft starting guards in round four, five, six, whatever. Absolutely. That's addressing the offensive line. Doesn't mean you have to address it with the 17th pick. And it, let's say you did. Let's say you drafted Austin Powers Johnson. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Jackson Powers Johnson. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Austin <laughs> Powers. You see where I went right Yeah, there. baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, please don't bring that back. <laughs> uh, that, that lasted way too long in Jacksonville sports Talk radio. Way too long. Looking at you, Dom. Anyway, um, let's say you did, and then you didn't address guard. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's not one guy at 17 isn't going to fix everything for any position group. No. You know, now you get a superstar. That can be a different story, but chances are you're not often drafting a superstar with the 17th pick in the draft. Pro Bowler, sure. That's not a superstar necessarily. A game changer, a franchise changing guy. Yes. And <laughs> they're laughing at my Austin Powers. <laughs> One of many things uh, you could laugh at here. Um, also, computer issues. Uh, somebody's saying, and this is based on something Hicken said. Apparently, Hacker had a honey bun party with himself in the studio yesterday. Allegedly. Oh. Allegedly. Because I don't think that's the case because I think Hacker's joining the fam. Isn't that the case, Pockets? He's on a second week. Awaken 180. Yeah. Y'all, y'all laugh now. going to be a lot less a hacker to kick around. <laughs> Telling you, bro. I mean, record ridiculously good numbers for hacker, I'm hearing, for the first couple weeks. So keep it up, hack. Yeah, man. Like that. Uh, just curious, Tony. All these from the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Would you take a flyer on Marquez Valdez-Scantling on a one-year prove-it contract? Mm. I'm not against the idea but it doesn't do anything for me i'm fine with him as yeah. your fourth receiver yeah if you need a deep threat you know uh or even like like yeah i but what's the prove it size contract he is coming sure. off a deal with kansas city that he signed that averaged over 10 million a year i'm not paying him that no you know um would i take a you know to me a flyer is a very low level contract see yeah. if it works out you know three or four million bucks for Marquez Valdez Scantling he's got great speed yeah okay no question he can mm-hmm. stretch the field I I would yeah I think 
you know, a, a price range like that. Going to be interesting to see how they feel about Zay Jones. Do they just feel like, hey, $11 million. If Zay's healthy, he's well worth that. Right. Two years ago, he played up to that level. He did. Last year, he was hurt a bunch. Uh, all right, let's get into today's question of the day. Why don't you fire up the old 10-10 take there, Pockets? Pockets, Pockets, 10-10 take, Pockets, incoming. 10-10. take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10-10 take, brought to you by Leonard Truck Accessories. All right, here we go. Um, Nick Bosa, the NFL's highest paid edge rusher at about $34 million per. Mm-hmm. If you're Trent Baalke, what kind of average annual compensation would you be willing to pay edge rusher Josh Allen on a long-term deal? You're going to set the market, $35 million plus? Obviously, you, you want to get him for as economical a deal as possible. Well, sure. What are you willing to go to if this is what it takes? $35 million plus. Or would you put him in the Bosa range at thirty-three to $35 million? Or would you say, eh, that's a little rich for my blood. I'm going to say $33 million is the, the ceiling there. It's going to be something less than that. How would you answer this, Tony? I would say I voted the Bosa range is where I'd I'd go, okay. and I could probably be convinced You'd go over. to go higher. Yeah. I, I would. And I look at where the edge money is. We discussed it with Bosa being up there. T.J. Watt's second on that list right now. He signed his deal in 2021. Getting twenty eight million. Joey Bosa signed his deal in twenty twenty. He's getting twenty seven million dollars a year. Miles Garrett signed his deal in twenty twenty. He's getting twenty five. I don't think those deals matter in the negotiation all that much. I think the three deals that matter with uh, Josh Allen are Bosa getting thirty four, Sweat getting twenty four and a half, and Rashawn Gary getting twenty four. And I think with those in mind, Josh Allen's going to be way closer to Nick Bosa. Than he is those other two guys. Ultimately, when he gets paid, so I don't know about way close. And I'd me. be comfortable with that. I can understand the fans that are saying, you know, I'd give him twenty seven, twenty eight, and I get it. I, if I'm Josh Allen, I'm if that's the deal you're coming with right now. I'm saying no. Nope, we'll wait. Well, if if I if I'm if that's the case though, like in twenty eight, thirty in that range, it's not enough. I'll probably tag him for two years. And that's that's fine. If you want to go that direction with it, that's the team's prerogative if they want to go that direction, which is part of the reason we're asking the question today. If that is the way that negotiation goes, are you comfortable with that being the direction it goes? If Josh Allen's side is saying no, right? Like, it's going to take at least 30. I'm willing to reward a guy, but that doesn't mean it's a blank check at the same time. Sure. To me, like... It, let's we'll call the sweat Gary level twenty four million a year because it's twenty four and twenty four and a half right mm-hmm. so we we'll call it twenty four and the Bosa level is thirty four that's yes. a ten million dollar gap between those guys do I think Josh Allen's Nick Bosa he hasn't been player of the year he hasn't been as consistently as productive I argued for it his rookie campaign but since then mm-hmm. hasn't been the same guy is he better than Gary and Sweat absolutely. Splitting the difference puts him at 29. I'd do 30. I'll give you 30 on, on average. Sure. And, you know, four years, 120. Right now, we'll work out what the guaranteed money is. Maybe it's 80. I don't know what the number is. I'm not a, a capologist. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's more than fair. You're the second highest paid player. You're making more. Even though T.J. Watt signed it a couple years ago, you're making more than him. He's been a defensive player of the year. He's consistently putting up those, you know, 15-plus sacks Every year. Yeah. All right? So, I, to me, that's the range. I am in the less than $33 million, but that represents – that's a wide range. I'm not Such saying it's 24. Gap. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'll go 30 
And I think that's fair. If, if Josh says I deserve to be the highest paid guy based on one year, I don't think that's right. You know, and you could, well, he's the next one up. Okay, well, he is the next one up, and that's why he's getting more than T.J. Watt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is getting more than a guy who signed it a couple of years ago. But I'm sorry, Bosa, you don't have the credentials of Nick Bosa. You don't have the credentials of T.J. Watt either, and I'm still willing to yeah. blur the line Yeah, I a think bit. the number has to be higher than T.J. Watt likely. Right, because of when he signed the deal Probably. and when Josh Allen is signing but, the deal. And, and there again, is, I can make that argument. that uh, Put Watt's numbers next to your numbers, uh, well, Josh, and tell me why you're getting more. Watt's going to redo the deal this offseason or next offseason, and he'll be above yet. all of them. Maybe, like maybe. That's, that's the, the way that's going to work out. And I think that's likely because he signed his deal in 2021 and Bosa got to do his deal in 2023. That's why the gap between those two guys is so big. It's not because the gap between Bosa and Watt is big. It's because the gap of when they signed their deal, when everyone knew they were anticipating in 2021, there was even talk about it's like, when is the big money coming in, right, on the salary cap, when it's going to go boom. Last offseason, it affected the way people spent money, right? We talked about it with the tight end situation with Evan Ingram. No one spent any money because no one knew what it was going to look like. Like, what do we set the market at for tight end in these spots? Well, Bosa got to set the market. Right, So now every deal that's going to be made off that, that's why I think Montez Sweat got 24.5 and Gary got 24. It's not because I think those teams even view them as the fifth and sixth best players in the league at those spots. They view them as valuable players. They're doing their deals now. That's what we got to pay to do that business. That's why I wind up in the Josh Allen being in the Bosa range when everything is said and done. Yeah, I wonder if I'm the, the Steelers, am I – Ripping up that deal. You got two years left with T.J. Watt. I hear you. And he's north of 30 now. You know, he's going to be 30 this year, 31 next year. I think he's fairly compensated, but that's their concern. You know, it's kind of like Josh Allen would probably want to see what Brian Burns and Daniel Hunter get. Maybe T.J. Watt's going to want to see what Josh Allen gets and then act accordingly. But, by the way, the the poll numbers right now, 7.2% would pay him $35 million plus. So, for the ones who say pay him whatever he wants, that's – they're committed to it, yeah. right? and that's fine. Yeah. But if you didn't vote for that, then you can't say pay him whatever he wants mm-hmm. because he may want more than you're willing to pay. All right, thirty-three yeah. to thirty-five million, thirty-seven point four percent would pay him like Nick Bosa, and fifty-five percent like me would pay him something less than that, and that's a lot of money, by the way. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, thirty-two million a year is in that less than that category, and that I think he'll be able to get by with that, quite frankly. He'd be all right. Anyway, 500 votes in on that one. If you haven't voted already, the Chad and Sandy Real Estate Question of the Day, you certainly can, at MD underscore 1010XL on the X or Twitter platform as we say hello to XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. All right, Big Sirs in the house. Hello, Leon. What's going on, gentlemen? How are you? I'm doing great. Um, you know, we're asking today, you know, people will say, pay Josh Allen, whatever it takes. Got to get it done, right? Trent Balky, this is on you. It's 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 malpractice if you don't get him signed to a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, what if he wants $40 million a year? Right? I mean, there, there's a limit. Everyone's got a yeah, limit. Parameters. They, okay. I mean, so what are your parameters? Are, are you uh, willing to make him the highest paid player at his position? Yes. You are? I am. Okay. I am. Uh, he, he is the best player on the team. Okay. Uh, that doesn't make him the best at his position in that, the league. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. 
But for last year, he's got the, he's top three, isn't not? He's not top three in the league as far as his position. Is he? I don't know. I don't know who you put in front of him. Who would you take? Miles Garrett was, was defensive player of the year. He shouldn't have been. Uh, why, uh, okay, uh, Nick Bosa. Those two, I take those two. Uh, TJ right TJ Watt. TJ, I take TJ Watt and maybe Miles Garrett over him. That's you wouldn't it. take Bosa over him. Yeah. Been defensive player of the year. <laughs> All right. I mean, everyone may pick up. Well, I mean, that's that's the question. Bosa makes thirty-four million a year. Is he better than Nick Bosa? And if not, he's not as consistent. But if you put the stats up, if you put the stats up between him and Bosa, over they both came in the league at the same time. Yeah, he's like eight sacks behind. Well, Nick Bosa missed the whole year due to injury. Yeah, I mean, that's not up. And and he's still eight sacks ahead. So, yeah, um, yeah, here's Nick Bosa's last three years: fifteen and a half, eighteen and a half, ten and a half sacks. See, that's, that's the question mark with Josh Allen is that we haven't seen it consistently enough. We saw it his rookie year. We saw it last year, contract year. So, I mean, uh, my concern is you pay him that kind of money. Are we going to still get that same consistency? So I think play, we'll so get play him on the tag. Huh? So play him on the tag. You can. If that's the way you, you feel about it. You can. You can. But you got to always have this notion that you got to feed. You got to feed people that came from your house. Sure. You feed the family first. You okay. picked them. You picked them. You over. You groomed them. them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got a lot of kids, man. You got a lot of kids. We got a lot of kids. Take care you of. Too. We, we may yeah. they, they may be our genetic offspring, but we adopted these other dozen, and we got to feed them too. Absolutely, you got to feed them. Oh, it's all good, man. You know what? It makes for good conversation, right? In Absolutely. the end, oh, yeah. they're going to do something, and we're going to react yeah. to it. And we're trying to all we're trying to do is put people in the position of Trent Baalke. Well, like, well the Jaguars, are in no, they're in no hurry right now. They say it. They, they should say, be in a hurry. Well, they say it, but, you know, I hate the franchise tag. <laughs> I do, absolutely. Well, you do because you're a former it, player. Yeah, I'm a former player. You know, the Diamond Darius I, I bet on me. I bet on me. Okay. I win. And you keep the poker chips. But then you should have won in negotiating on the collective bargaining agreement. Y'all should have got a better deal. Don't say y'all because I wasn't there. Well, whoever, (laughs) you you played in the league. Hey, how did you get franchise tag? We didn't have it when I was playing. Oh, there was no tag? There was no tag when I was playing. Still is probably what the tag me when Uh, it came out. I remember Donovan Darius complained about it, and then he got it three years in a row. And it's like, bro. three in a row. But it's like, bro, you realize you got – probably more money in those three years than you would have gotten had you signed like a five-year deal that they cut you after three years anyway, you know? Yeah, but the spin on that is that he could have got hurt with the three could have, but he did. Sure. And he, he could have lost that money that and, he could have ultimately and, and got. And Donovan, as a uh, an NFLPA representative, should have fought harder for no I franchise tag. I totally tag. agree with you. All right, just messing around. All right, sirs, uh, have a great show today. Appreciate it, bro. Sure, more on the Combine coming up uh, along with – all kinds of other goodies with Matt Hayes, Joe C., and, of course, Mia O'Brien is live in Indianapolis, as are Frank Frangie and Hayes Carline. You'll hear on the Frangie Show later on this afternoon. We thank John Osier for stopping by today from Jaguars.com. Tony will have Tom McManus in studio tomorrow, along with the Mr. Pockets and all the day off. So uh, I'll see you on Monday, but hopefully I'll see you tonight at the J-Fun Wine fun, Tasting man. Gala. Yeah. Always have a good time. And they uh, J-Fun's just a fantastic cause. Appreciate them. Uh, inviting me to show up and and so if you see us out there tonight we're uh just come on up say hello talk a little jaguar football and uh knock back a, a glass of red <laughs> at least that's what i'll be doing tonight all right everybody have a, a great rest of your day and a great three-day weekend at least from my perspective and we will talk to you monday tony will be here tomorrow again with tommy mack on jaguars today on 1010 xl and 92.5 fm